All right. Well, thank you so much. We've got Bridget Esselmont with us today, and she's best known for Biddy Tarot, I would say, at this point, which is such an inspiration for me and my tarot journey. Um, you're very search engine optimized because I feel like I found you Googling in the middle of the night sometime, like pouring over a tarot spread that I didn't know what it meant. But uh, welcome, welcome to Extra Credit. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's so good to be here. I'm really glad. This is my first time on with me being on this side of the microphone and you being on that side of the microphone. So I'm excited to ask you some questions. <laughs> yep. And I am fingers crossed my kids because we're in COVID right now, yeah. and isolation and all that fun stuff. So um, we may every now and then hear a little uh, extra scream from my kids. But <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I've totally I've been on like um business conferences and business calls. I've never seen so many of people's children before. And it's just like part of the new normal, I think. Just you are where you are. I you've know. got the people buzzing around that you've got. And that's that. So we can have a guest on. <laughs> Another <Yeah>. guest. <laughs> a screaming guest. I don't think a we screaming, want one of those. Yes. <laughs> well, speaking of children, you know, I wanted to kind of learn the origins of you and your childhood and and sort of what was it like being little Bridget, you know, in your house? Where did you grow up and and what was you know, what was your personality like? What'd you like to do? <laughs> so um, I grew up in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I stayed in the same house for up until like, I don't know, early 20s until I moved out, which was fun and just by the beach yeah. with my mum and dad. So I'm an only child. Um, and I think, you know, I, I was fairly regular childhood, nothing, nothing particularly, um, you know, different or outstanding. Um, but in terms of spirituality, I, I have these memories of like waking up at 4am to do candle gazing. And I don't know how really? old I was. Yeah, I must have been probably like, you know, 12 or something. And I think I'd found yeah. one of my mum's like old books about yoga or about, um, I don't know, psychic development. But it's weird because my mum is not at all like spiritual. I think it was just maybe some leftover from right. hippie days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'd wake up at like 4 a.m. and light a candle and just stare into the flame and just see if like I could activate my third eye and, you know, waiting for all these magical things to happen, which, of course, didn't because I didn't really have <laughs> the right intentions. Um, yeah. And even what else did I do? Oh, I made like little ESP cards. So there were these the three cards and the different shapes. Yeah. And I would keep trying to train my mind to be able to guess what was on the other side um yeah so that was probably really my introduction to spirituality and then when I was I must have been about 12 I went on a horse riding camp which was awesome um and it was run by a Christian group and so you know in the evenings after you've done your horse riding there was a lot of um you know reading from the bible and talking about Christianity and so that started my interest in Christianity. And for two years, every night, I read the Bible um, and I learned wow. about Christianity. And I was going to um, an Anglican school and then later a Presbyterian school, um, but certainly started to get an interest in religion from there. But then I think by the time I was getting to my later teens, I realized I actually didn't really want to be stuck to a religion per se and 
one of my um yeah oh, because a little bit of a sidetrack but i in 18 when i was 18 i went to germany for yeah. a high school exchange and it wasn't my host mum, but my boyfriend's mum. and i went i was living with them mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks and i'm i think i had said to her oh i'm not I'm not really anything. I'm a Bridgetist. <laughs> and <laughs> I only like, I'm only really Please. into what like I believe is true. So, you know, it's kind of that evolution of, well, I mean, I'm going to talk in terms of tarot. It's like from the Hierophant where you're being taught yeah. a doctrine um, in my early teens and then moving more into that lover's space where you can make decisions for yourself and you don't always make the right decisions, but um, mm -hmm. it's embracing the fact that you can make conscious choices about spirituality. So I think, yeah, it's, I was certainly getting into spirituality at a younger age and not necessarily because yeah. my parents were encouraging it. In fact, when I became a Christian, my mum, my mum would tease me. <laughs> she, she'd be like, you know, I would do something a bit naughty and she'd go, well, that's not very Christian of you, is it? because um, she's not she's she doesn't believe in in any um religion and i don't know i just yeah. sort of felt teased so it's kind of backwards normally normally your parents yeah. want you to be more religious but anyway um yeah yeah was there anyone in your like do you have any grandparents or anyone in your lineage that you know of that ha was sort of into either tarot or more cult practices or you're just the first of your line from what I know of, I am the first in the line. And, but it, it would it would be an interesting question. I wish, you know, wouldn't it be fabulous if we could time travel and go and talk to our ancestors? Because right. I am sure that it has been in my ancestral line in some way or another. Right. Um, it probably just wasn't talked about. Um, a few years ago, I did a fairly powerful meditation, a whole, like a daily, this day, full day workshop and in that meditation I had the experience of you know back in I think it was the 1400s or when it was all the witch burning happening well it was it was in that time yeah. right about then about then yeah. mm -hmm. yes and I had this whole vision that I had been persecuted and kept quiet and um, I had made a firm resolution at that point that I would no longer stand for keeping quiet in terms of spirituality. Mm. And then that really fueled my whole purpose with Biddy Tarot because, you know, I hear yeah. of so many people who are tarot readers who feel like they can't tell anyone. And I just find that right. so heartbreaking because there's no reason why we shouldn't be telling people, you know, that we're right. connecting with ourselves and our inner power. like. What's wrong with that? Anyway, that's a, there's another digression. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I When I came out of my sort of like psychic closet, when I told my dad, I was so nervous. And then he was like, oh, your grandmother's psychic. No one ever talked to me about it. But he, I said, what do you mean? She, he said, he, she used to telepathically send me a grocery list on the way home from school. And I would go and like pick up the milk and the bread. And wow. all this time it was like pent up and I was scared, you know, to even mention it. He's like, oh, no, like she was a, uh, we come from a line of gypsies or whatever. And it's, so it's if you don't share it, sometimes you don't learn like the yeah. stories that would validate your experience presently, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
That's interesting. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Yeah, well, it's cool to see. So I'm curious, you know, with your kids and how they grew up in your family, you didn't really grow up with a lot of spiritual practices that you've kind of made them up on your own as you went um, and kind of dabbled. What is that like within your family? And are your kids sort of experimenting here and there? Or do do they read tarot? Or how does that work? Yes, well, it's kind of hard to avoid tarot in this house. If I could flip my video, right. you would see like there's <laughs> about 50 decks in front of me on this beautiful um, yeah. bookshelf. Um, so, yeah, look, we I integrate tarot cards with my daughters, not so much from the perspective of here's how to do a tarot reading and so on but you know we use them for storytelling and so at night time every now and then we might pull three cards each and we treat those cards as if they're pages of a book like just a you know picture book and we tell a story about them um for me it's just about building up a level of comfort with this that it's just so normal and natural um but i don't necessarily want to influence them into like okay here's how we tap into our intuition and so on i feel like that will evolve and emerge as it needs to. Um, I, I don't feel like I need to be going, right, do this, do that, and so on, because that's kind of yeah. takes away from the experience. Um, but they're very, like, it's very normal for them. And, you know, they often talk about it at school. You know, my mum reads tarot cards and she's, you know, published books mm-hmm. and all of this kind of stuff, um, which is, is neat. Like, it's just so normal and regular for them, which is nice. Yeah. Do they have sort of an attraction to that sort of stuff at all? Or they just, it just, I know you're allowing it to unfold naturally, but I'm just curious where their curiosity is. Are they like into the crystals? Because you have beautiful crystals I can see behind you. Or are they yeah. drawn to it, you think? <laughs> yeah, well, they love yeah. playing with my crystals, which is not necessarily a good thing because I find them going right. missing all the time and then they come back half broken. I'm sure. Um, yeah. But uh, what else are they interested in? You know, like we often look at the moon and we talk about the moon and say the moon mm. phases and how we can integrate that into our yeah. lives and so on. Um, That's so cool. I think that they are quite naturally attuned to their intuition, but I don't think that they have labeled yeah. it yet as such. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's just a gently, gently approach. I don't need them to be able to like recite all the archangels or anything like that or you know, be able to talk <laughs> about stuff. I don't need to like show off my kids and how you know new age they are or whatever. Yeah, I just I just think I'm here as a guide to them, and if they want to yeah. um, explore this stuff, I'm here for it. But yeah, I'm not gonna sort of push yeah. it on them. Of course. Well, that's it's sort of similar to how you experienced, I guess, spirituality when you were growing up, because it seems like you had a lot of leeway to just sort of explore yeah. and, and see what resonated with you. So it seems like you're passing down that tradition a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate the fact that when I was a teenager, I had that space to explore because um, I actually like reflecting yeah. on it, it feels kind of surprising that like what was it in me that said, hey, you should wake up at 4 a.m. and do some candle gazing. Like I'm I so know. curious, like why? Why was that a motivation at that time? Where did it come from? It's weird. Yeah, that is, it's so, it's really cool because that time is known, you know, as, as you know, probably as an adult is like where the veil is thin and people all over the world meditate at that time. And here's little Bridget (laughs) with her candle just getting, you know, and I know you say nothing magical happened, but there is something magical about even just being awake at that time, Yeah, you know, and yeah. And I, I think it probably was 
a long-term activation in some ways. So whilst I didn't get a yeah. an instant thing happen, you know, I have certainly activated my intuition so that now, you know, it's coming into full bloom and it's fully integrated in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do any candle gazing now? <laughs> do you go back to the old school? <laughs> no, I haven't candle done stuff? it for a while. Oh, actually, no, maybe I did. When did I do it? I did it on a yeah. yoga retreat last year, actually. And I was like, oh, now I get why I did this. This is quite evolved. Like when you actually do proper candle gazing yeah. with understanding a little bit more around the whole system. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, that's a bit ahead of my time. <laughs> you totally were. You're like, ah, oh, this is old hat. You can teach everyone else. I've been doing this for years. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So as you sort of transitioned out of um, – I guess, teenage years into young adulthood, um, what track did you go down? So did you go to university? Yeah, so um, I finished school when I was 17 and like completed school. um, And then I did a year in Germany, um, or sorry, half a year. And then the following year I went on to do um, university. So I did a Bachelor of Commerce, which is I think where a lot of my business interest comes Mm -hmm. from. Um, yeah. And then I stayed on for a fourth year and did an honours degree. And then I started working like in uh, management consulting um, and then HR, like strategic HR. And I did my master's degree in HR as well. Um, and it's funny because by the time like I was about early 30s, that's when I quit my corporate job to go and do Biddy Tarot full time. Mm-hmm. And at that point I thought, oh my goodness, I'm being a bit like a bit crazy here just leaving behind a master's in HR and this you know established career in consulting like what am I doing right. but here we are like seven eight years later and I'm talking HR nearly every day and how we manage our team of 20 right. and that kind of thing so I think it always comes it comes around um, but yeah going back to university times in terms of how tarot was developing or the spirituality was developing then too you know, I'd be sitting in these accounting and economics classes, which was so dry and boring. And then I'd go home and I'd pull out my tarot <laughs> cards and start, you know, learning how to read um, the cards and, and do readings for myself. And then actually, um, so I started learning at about 18 and then probably by about 21, I was doing professional readings, you know, like $10 for a Celtic cross, um, which is crazy. Yeah. Um but it was really just a way to be more creatively expressed while I was doing more of that sort of logical brain thinking at, at university. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a, any people along the way or any teachers for tarot? Or are you pretty much self-taught when it comes to all of this stuff? Do you know, I really wanted there to be teachers. I really wanted um, support from the right person at that time, but I could not find it. And I found it particularly challenging because I was in my early twenties and I would look up like different tarot organizations and, you know, it would be, I couldn't find people I could relate to. So there would mostly be like women over in their sixties plus who'd been reading tarot for so long or had all the crushed velvet and so on. And I just, it wasn't relatable for me. And so I really struggled with that because I wanted the guidance, but I couldn't find someone who could guide me that I could, yeah, relate to or or feel in alignment with. Right. So I'm sure that, I mean, 
directly or indirectly emerges Biddy Tarot, where you actually, you kind of became that figure of support and normalcy and a modernization of the modality. Yes. Yeah, so certainly like as we've been growing the business, that's always been front of mind for me is like, I was missing that practical everyday type teacher. And so as I've built Biddy, right. I really want to be that voice for so many and particularly like our younger generation yeah. right now who are so much more spiritually conscious and um, aware like I want to be able to reach out to them and have an opportunity for them to learn from someone that they can relate to hopefully I mean I've got a few gray hairs now maybe it's a bit hard to yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a yeah. bit old now um, <laughs> but I don't see any velvet I see no velvet or crystal no. balls so I feel like you're good <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that right but um, it's it's just nice to have someone that you can learn from that's like, yeah, okay, I can see myself in this person instead of someone who's so completely different or has such a different lifestyle that you're like, oh, I'm not sure where the parallel right. is. Um, and even, you know, even when I was in my early 20s, like this, Biddy Taro was born in 1999, which is when I think I must have been about 20, uh, 21. And even though I thought, oh, who am I to be like writing about tarot? I just thought, well why don't I just write stuff as I'm learning how to read tarot, I'll just put it into a website and have that as information right. that, you know, maybe one person in this world will find um, and start, you know, using. Right. Um, and obviously that's, that, that has now grown into like 8 million people a year <laughs> using that content. Um, just a couple folks, <laughs> just, just a few people dabbling. <laughs> that's crazy. How does that feel? Like, how does, if you can kind of go back to looking at your your success and yourself now from that 12-year-old vantage point, you know, where you were just dabbling and just in wonderment, um, what do you think she says about you? Like, how does she feel? I think she'll be sitting there going, holy moly. Yeah. What? What just happened? I know. I still do that. I still wake up and go, is this, have I woken up in the right life? Like, is this really me? Am I doing this? This Isn't that so cool? Um, Yeah. And like, I I just feel really honored to be that person who can have a voice about tarot and how to use it in an everyday and very practical way and to be inspiring so many people. Yeah. Um, And, you know, every day we receive like beautiful notes about what has been possible for our community just by connecting with Tarot and how life-changing that is. Yeah. Like that is such an honor to be that person who can seed that inspiration yeah. in so many people. Um, it, it, it flips me out every day that, yeah. that I am that person doing that. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm feel, yeah. yeah. I had a moment this year, but like that we had, luckily we were, um, had a couple products in Macy's and, time um in Herald Square and I saw our stuff in there and I was I'm from New Jersey so New York is sort of like you know every Jersey girl wants to be in New York and I had a fangirl moment of myself do you know what I mean like I imagined myself back then I'm like oh my gosh like my teenage self would think I'm so fucking cool right now (laughs) and it's like my teacher always says um I think you're familiar with Guru Jacket she always says like in order to impress anyone, you first have to impress yourself. And um, she also calls it like an impression, like you impress upon yourself, like the feeling, the achievement. 
and that comes first. So it sounds like you've had that experience in a way. Yes. And I feel like I almost have that every day where I just have to yeah. stop and go, okay, Bridget, look at what you've created. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. We have this, we have that, you know, if I have to yeah. remind myself every day of it because right. it, it is, I don't know, it's kind of overwhelming in a way. Um, you just, I don't know. I just, yeah. Sometimes I find it overwhelming yeah just what's possible right or sometimes maybe I don't know if you're anything like me do you look towards the next you're always working on other things and then they launch kind of behind you and you're already sometimes onto the next thing yes yes so it's so important to like get present with okay what have I actually created now because yeah when you're constantly like in the future it's you're never good enough yeah and it's not quite that you're never good enough but you know it's always more there's always more there's always more for sure but if you have those moments where you go oh hang on a second oh wow I've actually done all right yeah yeah like where I am is it's enough right um and it's yeah I think having those reminders in places is very good yeah, I think you're doing a good yeah. job at that. Um, so when we go back, I kind of want to flash back a little bit to, okay, so you start doing tarot readings, you're, and I'm sure you've told this story a bunch, but if you don't mind just for me to hear it again, um, where, so, you know, you're in corporate world, are you starting to dabble in, in, in sort of even on the sly incorporate your tarot readings into the work that you're doing in HR? Like, are you pulling cards about potential hires or conflicts in the workplace or how is that looking? Um, I think I kept it fairly separate, actually. Um, I used tarot more for my own personal and spiritual growth rather than um, integrating it too much into the workspace. And also, I recall, like, I'd keep having these times where I'd share that I read tarot with people and then I think, oh, actually, that didn't feel that good. So as an example, like I shared with one person, and she was like, oh, that's so amazing. Can you do a reading for me? Bring your cards in. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, good practice opportunity. I bring in the cards, we do the reading. And then it was just like this hook just went in and she just kept mm. coming back like, can you pull, can you bring the cards again? Can you pull the cards? I'm like, oh, actually, you know what? I, I don't want to have this like intimate experience with a work, like a colleague, not yeah. in that environment. And I don't want her to be like continually asking me for it. So I, like it was those kinds of experiences where I thought, actually, I'm going to keep them very separate. I'm only going mm. to tell someone who I really know and trust and I know that they're not going to get leechy on me um, yeah. or, that, you know, I know they're not going to judge me um, in a negative way. And that's actually how Biddy Tarot came about because I didn't want to use my um, real name. So I yeah. used Biddy, which is a, um, a nickname for Bridget. And I really did keep the two separate um, yeah. for quite a long time. Yeah. When did you start to merge? When did you start to integrate? Was it more towards when you quit your corporate job and went full into Biddy Tarot? Or how did that merger happen? Yeah, I think I had started using my real name a little bit before then. But um, it wasn't really until 2012 when I did leave my corporate job that I changed like the biggest thing for me was changing my LinkedIn profile that was pretty full on because I'd been so like traditionally career focused and my Mm -hmm. LinkedIn was all about you know consulting and HR and so on and then to change that to um, being a founder of a tarot business Mm -hmm. oh man all the like weird (laughs) stuff came out the fear and the ego and 
changing identity. But I think the thing that really sealed it in for me or locked it in was um, by that point, like in 2012, my income from my business had reached the point like the same amount for my income from my corporate job and I was being paid well mm-hmm. in my corporate job. And I started to have this realization, look, Bridget, your business is legitimate. It is real, mm-hmm. it's making money, it's continuing to make money, it's continuing to grow. Why am I hiding from this? Like, why can I not just wear this and be proud? And I also need, like, I'm thinking I need to be an inspiration to others. I can't be hiding my identity and yet going out there and saying, oh, go Taro, it's so great. So <laughs> that's what really switched it for me. And once I made that decision, a little bit scary to start, but once I committed to it, it just felt so much more in alignment and I could really stand in full like authenticity and truth in what it yeah. was it and is that I'm doing. Yeah. Mm. Did you get more clarity? I find you know, with that integration piece where it's like, oh, I can see now because you're not sort of dual minded. Yes. And I find it ebbs and flows because, um, you know, leaving the corporate work and then doing Biddy Taru full time really charged up and excited for a couple of years. And then things started to lull again. And it wasn't really until that meditation experience that mm. I mentioned earlier where I could see really why I'm doing this. Like that took my purpose to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. Like I really understood why I was on this earth doing what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of charged me up. And then even last year, I sort of lost a bit of focus again. Like I just lost energy and motivation in the business. Um, but then I got charged up about our potential for growth and you know why can't we be reaching not just eight million but a hundred million people like right let's do this you know yeah there's no reason why we should be just taking it easy just because now we're you know a seven-figure business like let's go let's go to the next level (laughs) yeah well you've got to keep challenging yourself and luckily as an entrepreneur and a, a business owner you can kind of reinvent your career and your job within your company if you allow yourself to do that. So you can switch roles and bring in, you know, create new products or things of that nature. So what, what got you most excited about the growth? Like, was it a specific project or just the idea that you can sort of keep on building momentum? Do you know, I, I thought it was about like financial security for my family. I thought, yeah. oh yeah, wouldn't it be like really cool if we could get to this amount of revenue or profit, whatever. I thought it was that. But then when I was in that mindset, my team were not, they were not happy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went through this sort of period of pain of like, well, I'm trying to grow the company. Why is this not working? And then mm. I actually went out one day and I just sat in the garden and I started thinking, okay, well, why do I really want to change? Like, why do I want to grow Biddy Taro? And as I really reflected, I tuned into the energy and the soul of Biddy Taro and I mm. asked it what it wanted. And I knew from that point there, Biddy Taro wants to grow. It is always in full expansion. Like it has no boundaries it like and i look around nature like it's it's such a natural law that everything is in growth mode um Mm. you know you just look at a tree and you can always see like new leaves well unless it's winter and then you can't but anyway (laughs) well there's and businesses hibernate right (laughs) yeah yes yes. yeah (laughs) um and so yeah i just had that real feeling that it's not just me that wants this to grow it's it's 
the business and it's that energy energetic entity that wants to grow yeah and i'm kind of more of the steward of that and supporting that yeah. really growing um yeah. and so that has got me very inspired and then i think too like it's just been great seeing our team get really engaged now mm. in our growth and for them to be able to be fully expressed in their zones of genius in the work that they're doing and then for our community you know we've just welcomed in over 550 students to our certification program well that's 550 people who are now learning how to read tarot who are going to go out there and start reading for all of these people like that's yeah. so exciting to me it's just that ripple effect and the expansion and growth that goes with it yeah I, I hope that any business owners that are listening really takes that in because there is a moment of clarity when you realize that your business is its own entity and has its own spirit and divine wisdom. And it's mm. your job, just sort of like a parent, like you were saying how you parent your kids regarding spirituality, let's say. It's not so different with the business. You've got to listen to it. You've got to check in with it. And you've got to keep the guardrails on, but it really has its own intelligence. Um, This is a random question, but have you ever done the natal chart for your business? Oh, do you know, it's really hard because my business didn't start on a specific day. Yeah. 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 I don't And how do you do it then if you you don't have Yeah, well, we decided to do, well, there's a couple ways you can do this. Um, You can do like your incorporation date whenever you became like an LLC or something like that. Um, I chose to do our opening day because we had a brick and mortar, you know, or so you could do like the first day the site launched and you had your first blog or something like that. But I, 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 I was really specific on our opening date and I, I have pulled the chart. It just gives you extra insight into like the personality and the growth trajectory of your business. So I was just curious mm. if you had, if you'd done that. <laughs> no, but that, that sounds like fun. Actually, I'm thinking maybe it's the day that I quit, like that I resigned yeah. and finished my corporate job. And then this that really would be a great, off. yeah, that's a great yeah. birthday. Yeah. I, I, it was interesting. Modern mystic shop is, has the blessing of, and the curse of being a triple Scorpio. So there's a lot of, it's like a very intense energy. I'm like, I don't know what I gave birth to. Maybe I could have picked a different day or hour or something <laughs> to open. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, um, I have a couple questions more around like the tarot space. If you'd like to go there, um, you're obviously are yeah. a key figure, I think, in modernizing and like you were saying, making tarot more approachable. I um, mean, you've seen the popularity of tarot grow now over about 20, 20 years time. Um, what has changed? I mean, have you noticed anything that's changed about how tarot is being used, how it's being discussed or the type of people who are drawn to it over that time? Or, yeah, I'm just curious what you've noticed in the, as you reflect upon the past couple decades. Mm. I think tarot, you know, 20 years ago, at least this is my experience of it, um, yeah. was it was more of like a hobby done by older women mm-hmm. mostly. Um, and kind of, it just had a kind of old school feel to it. And if it wasn't that, then it was more occult and secretive and, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, you buy a deck from under the table kind of thing sure. under the desk. Um, but now what I'm seeing, what I, I just love it is, you know, look at Tarot on Instagram and um, just how much people are using it. In fact, do you don't know, get this? Mm-hmm. So this morning, one of my team just posted, Post Malone has launched 
a new wine, a new rosé wine, which that's a trip just to begin with. But anyway, <laughs> a new rosé wine. It's called Maison Number no. 9. And it was named after his favourite tarot card, which is the Nine of Swords. So here we what? have Post Malone covered in tats and loving the tarot. Like, it just yeah. it doesn't get much better than that. And I think Lady Gaga is into tarot, Katy Perry. Um, wow. It's just become so much more uh, acceptable and normalised. Yeah. And um, I think we'll continue to see that. I actually think we're only on the cusp of um, yeah. the normalisation of things like tarot or crystals and so on yeah um so for me that's really exciting i know for some though it's it might be threatening it might be disturbing mm -hmm. that it's becoming so mainstream i know there's many people that would probably prefer that it stays in its like more ancient traditions sure and i think it can i think you can keep tarot in the space of like you know um from the golden dawn and understanding all of the historical aspects to it um but I am excited to see it becoming more normalized and modernized, yeah. um, particularly with the younger generation as well. Because also, like, I think about it, you know, in your 20s, gosh, you're figuring out so much about yourself and in your teens. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a tool like Tarot that can support you in becoming more self-aware and connecting with your inner power, like, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. You know? And, and I yeah. think the more people that have that available, the better. I don't see any reason yeah. why we should be hiding it. I agree. Mm. I'm I'm firmly in the tarot, pro-tarot <laughs> camp and the modernization of all this stuff. And it's interesting because, you know, you launched your business, I guess you said fully in 2012. What was the, was that the date? And that was like yeah. such a massive shift from the Piscean age into the age of Aquarius, which is so much more about information, communication, equal access across the board. And so you can see sort of some of the older mindsets clinging to the way things were in all facets of life, not just, you know, with with tarot, for instance. And then you can see sort of like the younger generation bucking against things and wanting things to be accessible and not so secret. And, and mm -hmm. you know, you can find out anything about anyone, you know, so it's interesting. And then now I'm also getting caught on the fact that Post Malone's favorite tarot card is the Nine of Swords, which seems like a very complex favorite, favorite card. What do you think that says about him? I'm wondering. Every time I pull that card, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's an interesting one to have. But then I suppose like he wouldn't choose something like the Star card or the Fool. Yeah. Um, maybe the Fool. Anyway. I don't that's know. I was just I was like, really? That's your favorite one? Maybe that's why dark. he needs to drink some wine. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of Nine of Swords yep. vibes. That's so funny. Um, I have another question. So, you know, we're reading, you know, I use cards every day in all aspects of my life. And also there's this external climate of disarray, you know, globally. And so I find myself sometimes pulling a spread and intuitively getting a sense for what it is but then my mind comes in as like this can't be so positive and uplifting the whole world's in disarray and I'm curious your take on allowing your knowledge of external events and environments to influence your intuition and your while you're doing these readings because I think we need to approach it maybe differently in these quote-unquote troubled times um, or mm. not so I'm just curious if it makes a difference to how you've been relating and reading your tarot? Well, I'll share kind of a parallel experience that has taught me a lot in this context. And that's like with my business and 
the COVID situation. So when it first started, um, I had a call from my finance advisor saying, all right, Bridget, this is pretty dire. Things are like looking really, really bad economically. You've got to plan as if you're going to lose half your revenue. Mm. And I was like, holy moly, this is awful. And I had a whole week of like sitting down and going, all right, where do I have to cut my costs? And this is going to be awful. I'm going to have to cut like my team. Um, this isn't fair. Like many of them are working parents. They're the primary income earners. Like, right. Nothing about it felt good. And then I even started thinking about my own um, like financial security and what that would mean for our family. And so stress, 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 and all in this sure. contraction mode. Um, but there was something like niggling at me going, okay, I get that for many businesses, this is a really tough environment, but it doesn't mean that it has to be tough for us. And mm -hmm. my intuition kept saying, Bridget, wait for the evidence, wait for the evidence, because we we're about to launch our certification program. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, even with that launch, we we're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, let's prepare for getting half of what we thought like our original goal was. Um, right. And also, should we even launch in this time because it is so challenging for people? Um, but we sure. decided to go ahead anyway because we realized that something like a online tarot program was like definitely going to be serving our community, many of our community, right. not all, but many. Um, so we went ahead with that and then it just showed us that actually we were very buoyant, like we we're abundant and we're in expansion mode in this environment. And we've now been operating from an expansion and a growth mode and it feels so much better. Um, yeah. And I had that realization that yes, the, again, very tough environment. That doesn't mean it has to be our reality. And so coming right. back to like your original question, you know, in these times, like if we see signs of positive impact, just because others are suffering doesn't mean that your world has to be a world of suffering. And even, I, I mean, I've seen it again with other business owners um, where yes, they are suffering, but they're seeing all these beautiful opportunities and blessings coming out of it as well. So we can't assume right. that we're actually like, this is just dire and awful for everyone all of the time. Right. There are these moments of little um, opportunity and, and so on. And I think that's, that's awesome. Like, hurrah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree, I agree. and. Um, it's just it's also a mindset shift but I, I that's a question that i was getting from some readers it's like how do i like read for clients and you know our readers tend to err in a positive light not to say we're gonna bs the reading but if something difficult comes up we always follow up with what steps can you take you know how can you learn from this and give actionable empowering steps as opposed to being like it's nine of swords all day every day and then i got a ten of swords <laughs> or whatever regarding whatever's yeah. happening just thinking about post malone throwback um, and then I'm also seeing like in our community, sometimes people getting super freaked out about the death card actually in a different level um, now because mm -hmm. of this, you know, this virus and, you know, there's, there's that fear that comes up first thing as opposed to connecting to your intuition as to a, a higher meaning. They're like, oh, someone going to die. You know what I mean? So yes. it's interesting to keep that out and like stay centered in, in the yes. reading. Yes, and I think too, um, I just recently did um, a class for our community members on this exact topic, like how do we read for clients like in 
the COVID times because mm-hmm. we also get yeah. questions around um, have I got the virus? <laughs> so we have to talk about oh, ethics. Yeah. And, you know, where is, yeah, where's your life? Sure. Like, when is isolation going to finish? Um, well, again, mm-hmm. as readers, we have some boundaries to the information we can provide. Yeah. And sometimes the World Health Organization will actually have much better information that we than we can offer um but also too like people are in people are all in different stages of emotional response as well and we can't judge someone if someone feels genuinely very anxious about the situation then we meet them where they're at um right if they're feeling optimistic great we meet them where they're at and then we support them in that as well um so i actually think again like the blessing in disguise here is this only helps us grow stronger as readers um, and healers and supporters and coaches and what have you, because, um, you know, this is when what we, like our service really matters and where we can really help and step up um, and be supportive. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, Just another couple questions. I'm curious, you've achieved so much um, you've written so many books, you have this website, you've got these courses. I'm wondering, is there like one achievement or something that you, it doesn't have to even be business related that you're most proud of that means like the most to you? Mm, I'm going to take two, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> so take one, 10. <laughs> um, one was definitely getting our tarot deck, the everyday tarot into yes. urban outfitters every like in all of the stores around america um and i remember i remember when we got the information we were touching down in atlanta and mm-hmm. um just had landed i turned on my phone and there was an email saying yes we got the urban outfitters deal so the reason why that is so um special to me is that to me that is the epitome of tarot in the mainstream and modernizing yeah. tarot and having it in a place where um, you know it's highly accessible, um, and I think too yeah. at last check, I think we've sold around eighty thousand tarot decks as well. Like eight stuff. zero, eight yeah. zero thousand. Yeah. Wow. Like this is in, That's incredible. You know, Twelve month period or eighteen months. Um, just it flips me out completely. Yeah. And then I think people love it. People love it in our store. They pick it up. It's it's so cute. It's like in that little, you know what I mean? It's the perfect travel companion. It's it's great. And it's so affordable as well. Yes. Um, Yes. Yeah, it's good. Um, So, yeah, I think the second one is just the financial health of the business. And the reason why this is really important to me is because so often, like when I've gone to business events or entrepreneurial events, um, and people ask you, what do you do? And I say, well, you know, I lead a tarot organization with online education. And then you kind of get either the funny, like, look of like, oh, you know, <laughs> what, what are you gonna teach me about business? Um, or, you know, people then start saying, oh, that's nice. What does your husband do? <laughs> like he works mm. for me. So yeah, the reason why the financial stuff is so important is because to me it's making it's it's affirming that this is a legitimate and viable business and that we in the yeah. spiritual world can have a big impact with what we're doing and it matters. And I know like we can argue about like well financial results aren't the only metric of what matters and so on. But I think in this in this capitalist environment that we're in, it is yep. a very clear, quantifiable measure of the value that you're contributing and adding 
um, and exchanging. Yeah. So, yes, that's kind of a long way of saying. I, I just I feel really proud of what we've done financially because it just puts a yeah. stake in the ground and says this is real and legitimate. And you know, yeah, yeah it's good. I agree with that. I agree with that. And um, a fact that I always find or statistic really interesting is that I think less than two percent of businesses that hit the seven figure mark are female owned. Yes, and so. It's just to like be a member of that, first of all, that elite group of women business owners that are really breaking that glass ceiling um, and normalizing being, you know, a seven figure business owner in addition to. And then on top of that, you you lay on to the fact that technically like our businesses are supposed to be niche, you know, like maybe a fringe and the fact that you're able to grow into that category with something that most people might even disregard or think it's cute, you know, it's like, no, this is. And then on top of that, I'm just like high fiving you to have it be not just the sales figures and the hitting those goals, but actually being managed well where it can sustain itself. Because one thing I've noticed about this whole, you know, virus and I'm seeing what businesses are closing and making it. If your business was not healthy before this, you can't necessarily blame this phenomenon for taking you out. Mm -hmm. And so the people that are really thriving are the people that took the time to really create sustainable, smart businesses, not in a lot of debt um, and profitable businesses to begin with, you know? Yes, and I also think this situation has been a catalyst to get even more smart and strategic in our businesses. Um, Because even though like financially we, we are in growth mode, we're still looking at, all right, well, are we making sure that we're investing strategically, um, that we've got the right people doing the right roles, um, you know, that we're not kind of putting all of this money into something that is not going to deliver value. Like we've used it as that catalyst to sharpen up the business even more. Um, And I've seen that with my other entrepreneurial friends too, Um, just that opportunity to just create even better businesses. Yeah. And for me, I don't know what well, sounds like you had your moment of clarity before this happened. and But I had even like you're saying sharpening of a focus of why we're doing this mm. and what purpose we want to serve. Mm. Um, and it really has influenced, you know, I'm a product business, but how it is that we educate people how to use the product and engage with the product. And um, and so I'm excited about some pivots that, you know, to be honest, I was moving too fast to stop to take a break for eight weeks and not be running the brick and mortar. It actually allowed the space to see what's missing and do those projects that sort of were on the back burner, you know? Mm, yes, absolutely. So. And I think I think the other opportunity here is the opportunity to lead and inspire and to be that mm-hmm. voice in this environment. Yeah. Um, because I think I've seen people just kind of roll over and go, oh, well, that's it, you know, I'm, I can't yeah. survive in this. I'm gonna have to just downsize and blah, blah, blah. And look that I I totally get that there's often valid reasons for taking that path. Sure. Um, And then I've seen another group of people go, okay, you know, either we might be struggling as a business or we're doing all right, but I'm gonna gonna be the one out there talking to my community, supporting them through this. I'm gonna be of service Mm -hmm. to my people. And I think it's such a beautiful opportunity to be that leader, that voice, and that inspiration to our communities rather than going insular and then going, oh, my business, oh, no, I have to, like, close down. But we're thinking of our people yeah. and our, our communities, which is exciting. Yeah. 
That is exciting. Um, my final question for you is, uh, do you have any words of advice? I mean, you've given so much wisdom, but if you had to say one thing to our audience, these modern mystics who are they're in various places, some people are just dabbling, some people are hardcore into all of this stuff, but any last like words of wisdom or advice that you think would be of value in addition to what we've shared? Well, the one thing I just heard then was around self-acceptance. And mm. why this comes up is I was having a chat with a friend yesterday and she's at the beginnings of starting like her business in a spiritual space. And she's like, oh, Bridget, every time I go to film a video, I just get really worked up with fear. And I'm just really worried, like I'm putting out this really diverse way of thinking, this really out there way. Um, and I'm worried about what people will think of me and will they try and take me down and criticize me? And I'm like, okay, stop a second. Do you believe in what you are doing? She's like, oh, actually, mm -hmm. you know, we, once we did a bit more talking, it was like, oh no, there's like bits that I feel ashamed about. So it doesn't really matter where you are on your journey. I really do believe it starts with the self-acceptance that however you are practicing spirituality or honoring your spirit is absolutely beautiful and okay so long as it's not harming anyone um <laughs> disclaimer yeah, <laughs> yeah right. um, and i think we need to be in that place of accepting who we are and how we do things in order for others to accept us so if we ever find those moments of tension or friction of like oh why is this person taking me down oh why am i getting triggered by that um it's often to do with that acceptance from within and it, all of this will help to normalize things and make it every day and make it feel um, practical and and sustainable as well so yeah self-acceptance oh. yeah it's a beautiful answer I think it's a great place to stop um, where can people find you what what's the most exciting thing you're offering now that you'd love for people to check out yeah so jump over to biddytaro.com um, We've always got something that we're sharing, whether it's a free resource about how to learn tarot. Um, we're just starting to get ready for our um, Grow Your Tarot Business Online program launch. Mm. So there'll be a quiz, which is going to be super fun for your intuitive business strengths, um, plus some trainings and all of that yummy goodness. Um, also, if you're a little bit more interested from the entrepreneurial side, you can learn more about me at Bridget.me. It's Bridget like digit, so B-R-I-G-I-T dot me. Um, and I do do some um, like one-on-one -on -one business mentoring and with some select clients there as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and all of your wisdom and your story. It was nice to learn more about you. Oh, it's been great. Thank you, Kelly. really appreciate the opportunity. You're so welcome. All right, this episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.